0: The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067.
1: You're on the line, here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. It is a beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area. Hope you're all doing well, and hope you all had a fantastic weekend. We are live here for the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you for the next two hours here on ESPN 106.7. Well, we've got uh, a Super Bowl champion. We've got a lot of Auburn basketball to talk about, a lot of Auburn athletics to talk about. Uh, should be a very, very busy show. Should be a great show. And, uh, yeah, we have a Super Bowl champion, the Philadelphia Eagles lose after being up by double digits at the half they let the kansas city chiefs and patrick mahomes come all the way back who uh borderline played a perfect second half they come all the way back, and they win it at the buzzer, basically. Uh, the Eagles had one last play to win it, which was horrible. And uh, the Chiefs ended up winning by three on a last-second field goal. And Patrick Mahomes has now two MVPs. He also has two Super Bowl rings. And so, uh, Carter, what a game it was last night, huh, brother? Yeah, it was really um, it was a fun one. And you knew it was going to be. I mean, two
2: teams that I think have, like scored the same amount of points or something and like were are 16 and 3 each. Um they were the clear-cut but two best teams in the NFL this year. I mean, maybe a fully healthy quarterback room with the 49ers could have could have given mm-hmm. somebody a run for their money in this game, but when you look at the totality of the season, I think that we got the two best teams in the game and we got a great game.
1: We did, and it's just so interesting how it ended. Yeah, yeah. The the call at the end was uh, was definitely something. We're going to get into that a little bit later. That sort of revolves around our question of the day. We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But speaking of the Super Bowl, now that football season is over, uh, hopefully uh, you all went on our station websites, uh, ESPNAU.com, and entered our big game sweepstakes. Well, we have a winner, and we had somebody correctly picked not just the winner, Carter, but the exact score maybe they sprinkled a little something on the side I don't know but Terry Tidwell from Auburn she predicted the Kansas City Chiefs would not only win but win 38 to 35 of course that was the final score thanks to a last second field goal out in Arizona so Terry Tidwell again she predicted the Chiefs to win 38 to 35 in our big game sweepstakes here's what she's taking home It's an Auburn Network prize pack that includes a $100 Visa gift card, a walk-ons gift card, an 18-inch original kettle grill. uh, That's from University Ace Hardware, plus a 55 inch big screen flat screen TV so that is what she is taking home and uh, that's a pretty good little prize pack that we're giving away in our big game sweepstakes again Terry Tidwell from Auburn congratulations Uh, she correctly predicted the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the Eagles 38 to 35 so congratulations to her be sure that you uh, visit our websites because we do contests all throughout the year we'll have one coming up for uh, the tournament for March Madness coming up in just about a month month so uh, as of yesterday was a month away from selection sunday and it's a really good transition to talk about where does auburn stand now thanks to a heartbreaking loss on saturday uh, obviously we have sort of given our thoughts with after the game on saturday but we'll talk about it some more here new bracketology is out auburn just continues to drop in in bracketology they continue to decline uh, when it comes to the win loss column Carter, Auburn now losers five out of their last six thanks to a 77-69 loss inside Neville Arena to now the new number one, Alabama Crimson Tide.
2: Yeah, and I think when you look at that, there is one game where Auburn legitimately did not have a chance to win it in that six-game stretch, almost the first one. When you saw, um, when you saw A&M take it to Auburn, In Neville Arena. But in every single other game, Auburn was right there. They were ready for the challenge. First half against West Virginia, if you play better in that half, then you win that game. Yes, I think you can make an argument there. But, in the second half of all of these games, Auburn has had chances to win. And has just come up a little bit short. I think this Auburn team has gone through the ringer here with the schedule. It's been extremely difficult. And if this team can hold it together confidence and fo- with their focus wise, um they're going to come out stronger on the other end, I think. But to me that's the biggest question because how many times can you it's the it's the what is it, the State Farm commercial or the Allstate commercial? Like You almost had it? you got to be quicker next <laughs> For time? For way
1: back in the day. I think yeah, it's State the- Farm, yeah, where they're holding the dollar bill out yes. with a fishing pole. And it's you that. almost had it. You almost had it, but and it's it-
2: true. How many times can that happen before it affects the psyche of the team
1: and that's the biggest thing and we'd love to hear from you phone lines are open today 334-321-1390 what are your thoughts on Auburn's performance on Saturday against Alabama where they were tied at 37 at the half Uh, played not as great in the second half as they did the first half I also saw a young man from Auburn win a car he hit the 94 foot putt for a car that was pretty awesome so that was the highlight of the day I think Uh, but He did. He won a car, so that was cool. But give us your thoughts. Give us your opinions. Where does Auburn sit right now in your bracketology, in your mind? is this a tournament team losing five of the last six we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 and it's a busy day on the show just to give you a quick rundown we'll have joey blackwell Alabama central coming on at 230 he joins us every monday we'll get his thoughts on the game his thoughts on alabama being uh the new number one in the ap poll that came out today we'll get his thoughts on all of that and down the stretch for the alabama crimson tide coming up in our number two we'll talk with jacob hillman of the auburn sports network get his thoughts on auburn basketball as it stands right now talk about opening weekend for auburn softball that was this past weekend and talk about opening weekend coming up for auburn baseball so uh, and gymnastics with a big win on friday night as well so we'll get all those thoughts from jacob hillman in hour number two but around those two guests give us a call we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 and yeah carter as we sit here on monday february 13th that's the biggest issue and I think that's where Auburn fans are going to have frustration is in these last six games where you've gone one of five outside of the A&M game like you said where they came in and just absolutely beat you on your home floor the other four games West Virginia at at West Virginia at Tennessee at Texas A&M home for Alabama you were in all four of those games mm-hmm. you were in them you were winning them And you had a chance to win down the stretch. And the fifth
2: one, the win, is probably the best 40 minutes of basketball you've played continually all
1: year long. But I think the way that this Auburn team played on Saturday against Alabama was about the best game that they've played. Did it all get put together? No. But they played extremely well against a very, very good team. According to the AP poll, the best team in America. Mm. And there is a... There is a really good chance that when Auburn goes to Tuscaloosa on March 1st, it could be ugly. I I think there's a decent chance of that, Um, just given the circumstances, playing on the road, what have you. Auburn played a great game on Saturday for this particular team.
2: Where I will disagree with you there, Auburn shot 32% for the game. 32% for the game. Like, we know this team's not a good shooting team, but they don't do that that often. They really don't.
1: That's extremely. But how low. much better do they shoot than that? Like, what are they at right now, season average wise? I mean, they don't shoot the ball well at all. But despite that, they were still in the game, and they could have won this game by six or seven points if they just make the plays down the stretch. But I'm with you. They didn't shoot the ball well at all, and Alabama did. I mean, they typically they shoot.
2: 29.2% from 3 which they did in this game. 51.9% from 2. They did not do that in that game. Uh they are not a great free throw shooting team typically, but they did show up and and hit their free throws in this one. I think that's how they stayed mm-hmm. in the game, especially in the first half. There was a but big drop off first and second half, unfortunately. It wasn't it wasn't that big. I mean, it was you went 12 of 14 in the first half. You went 10 of 12 in the second half. Okay, it wasn't as bad was, as I thought. It was...
1: Well, those, those combined, though. I mean, yeah, that 100% kept that you is, in, a, that in the is game.
2: That is the best that we have seen this team shoot from the free throw line that I think we've seen all year. Yeah. Um, For the season, they shoot 43.7% from the field. So you were 11% below that. Yeah. 11.4% below that in this game. I mean, if you're... 6% below that, you're, you have like a possession to win the game. If not, you win the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you were also very close there at the very end. The final score is not indicative of how close this game was. I agree. I think eight points. Uh, I mean, when you look at the second half, it was a one point. I mean, Auburn had a lead. With 612 left in the game. And then with 339 left, it was a two point game. Looking
1: at the game, I think you could put this as like a three or four point win for Alabama. Scoreboard's double than that. But no, I'm with you. I I think, and again, Auburn had every chance to win the basketball game. They won this game for the first 34 minutes. They won it. They were beating Alabama, not just winning, they were beating Alabama for 34 minutes of the 40. uh And. Down the stretch, again, we've seen it time and time again, Carter, they couldn't make the plays to win the basketball game. Yeah, I mean, you you held a lead for the majority of the second half.
2: You held a lead for the majority of the first half. At one point with around that six-minute mark, I think, there was a statement that was by the broadcast that was um, – it was – There had been 10 lead changes in the game, but yet Alabama had led for less than four minutes in the first, like, 34 minutes of the game. And that's kind of how the game went. Like, Auburn, Alabama would go ahead and Auburn would take it right back. And you commend the team for the fight and the effort, but it's just, it's a bummer to to lose games like this.
1: Let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Ed, you're on the line. Welcome in.
3: Hey guys, how, how are y'all doing? We're doing all right. All right. Ed, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. I, well, i sat in a dentist chair for three hours this morning. So oh, that's
1: I, never fun. Never fun.
3: No, no that wasn't that fun. But I was, I, if and if I slur this one, but uh, I was just going to say, you know, Bruce Pearl. I love Bruce Pearl, but you got to. He's got to. go. I mean, these pretty boys, you know, the Sharif, the, the, you know, the little small guards and all this, he's got to get some guys that look like men, you know, and he's got to get somebody that can shoot, can shoot the thing. That's ball. fair.
1: I'm with you on that. I, I'm I with you on, on, I mean, I get what you're saying about the guards trying to get some bigger guards, and he did, right? And you're well, if you look at the recruits, recruits coming in yeah, and they there were some unlucky
3: out breaks, out yeah, the, the kids out of Mobile, you know, 6'4". Mm-hmm. But, but I, I mean, you can have – you might get a mugsy bow now and then or, or or something like that, but you, you can't keep just recruiting little kids that, that, pretty, that look pretty – Alan Flanagan looks like he's in a fashion show more than he thinks he's in a dang ball game sometimes. And I just – I just I – just, if they spent half as much time in in the gym just shooting, as they, you know, it's not that shooting is not that hard, guys. If you've got the athletic ability these guys have, you know, it is not shooting is just practice. That's that's all, yeah. you know. And, and it, you know, I I don't know.
1: and and unfortunately ed that was the worry coming into the year right that's something that we talked about we we knew that Mm -hmm. this team was not a strong shooting team uh did we know it was going to be this night in and night out i don't think so you hoped it wouldn't be uh but bottom line yeah bruce's he's got to go and and find a couple of shooters because that's all this team is missing is somebody that you can actually shoot kick the basketball to and count on them to make a shot
3: yeah, exactly, and, and it just, uh, it's just it's so aggravating, it, you know. And, uh, you know, Bryce Brown wasn't – he wasn't a, you know, five-star mm-hmm. uh, long-range yeah. shooter coming out of high school or anything, but, but you know, he took the shots. He, he spent the time in the gym, and, he you know, he got his shot down and took us to the final four. The guys they got now think they can – Wiggle and jiggle inside, or just—I don't—I don't, I don't really—and—and Johan Trehor, I—I can't—I think we just missed out on three freshmen. I think we had a very poor recruiting lick. Looking back on it now, uh, Trey—all three guys could be great players, but Trey has been mediocre. The other two, you know, one's red shirt, and you know, Wester's red shirt. And mm-hmm. As far as Traor, I, I, you know, not playing, but but they were supposed to be very good players. Right, I think Auburn misjudged big time, and I, you know, I know Bruce, he depends on Steve and his son a lot on recruiting, and they just missed on two kids, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know it, I, I it's a shooter man yeah they I do mean, they probably.
1: need a shooter and and, it, and i've said this before it's tough when you're in a game like you were on saturday and you can't and yeah. you turn to the bench and you do have five stars that are sitting there and don't get any consideration to play because they're just not to that level yet um yeah. and i think i think next year will be the determining factor on Trey Donaldson, Trey Orr, and Westry, if they don't take that next step next year, then yeah, yeah, I think you missed. But I do think that Bruce and this Auburn team and program were banking on them to be very good in their freshman year. So did they miss yeah. on them a little bit this year? Absolutely. But I'm not ready to, uh, to ship them off just yet in, in total.
3: I, I, I'm not ready to ship any of them off. I think at least one of them will probably leave, mm-hmm. you know, after this year. Uh, I, I, hey, the kids, it, it just – and. Sometimes you miss, you know, and that's yeah. what happened to Auburn. We, they, they just missed on these players, and and I, I I still have all the faith in the world and, and Bruce Pearl and the Auburn program, and they'll be back. And, hey, we didn't lose to a bad team. That's a very, very good Alabama team. You're right about you that. Know. Yeah, yeah, all right, guys. Y'all have a great day in Warrior. Yep, you Appreciate too, Ed. It's good Ed. to
1: hear from you. That is Ed joining us on the phone lines. And I do want to say one thing before we get to break. When it comes to college basketball recruiting versus college football, when you do go and get that five-star, high four-star guy that a team – and I'm not saying Auburn in particular. I'm saying a basketball program anytime. When yeah. you go and get that guy and he's supposed to be the next big thing and he doesn't work out – you feel it on a much bigger scale in basketball because there's less guys, right? Think about in football when you go and get that quarterback or that running back or that receiver. Like, Yes, you feel it, but there's a good chance if you're a high-level program that there's somebody else to at least make up for it a little bit. Maybe not to that extent. If you do it at quarterback, I think that correlates well to a point guard or something like that. That's fair, but with basketball, you've got – you know, you got 12 guys that play and you're banking on this particular guy yeah. to be your dude in oh, you your starting five, right? I just feel like in basketball, you feel the impact of somebody who doesn't quite work out like you thought. I don't want to go the flop route because I don't like using that because it's just, well, it, it happens. They're all
2: 18, 19 exactly. still right now. Exactly. There's, there's time for them to figure it out. Right,
1: and, and I'm just saying in college basketball, you feel that mm-hmm. impact a whole lot more because of the limited sample Whether size. it happens
2: at Auburn or not, who knows, but I do have some thoughts about Ed's comments, and I know mm-hmm. we have to get to a break, so I'll, I'll talk about that when we come back.
1: Yep, we'll get to our first break here in hour number one. We'll come back, talk a little bit more uh, about what Ed was saying with uh, with some of these freshmen that Auburn uh, recruited, just hasn't been able to play a whole lot. Talking about Auburn-Alabama on Saturday, give us a call, 334-321-1390. More of the Monday edition of On The Line when we come back.
0: You are on the line Back inside the
1: studio here at ESPN 106.7 Auburn. I'm a like a sports leader. Jacob Gowitz and Carter Burd talking about Auburn and Alabama from Saturday. Uh, we had Ed call in in the mm-hmm. first segment talking about uh, Trey Orr, Westry, Trey Donaldson, the freshmen for this Auburn team. It's a it's a common conversation that we have and just talking about how. Auburn can't really rely on them. Trey Donaldson's the only one that plays. And I think he plays decent when he's in. He's not playing to the level I think he plays. He plays like a
2: freshman. Like, there are are spurts where he looks, man, he looks really good. And he makes some passes that are special. Mm -hmm. And I think he he will be. He has some dumb moments. He does. Like, there was, Jack and I were in here in the studio. When he's in a lineup on the court that is Trey Donaldson, I think it's Trey Donaldson, Katie Johnson, Chris Moore. Dylan Cardwell and Leor Berman, maybe? And that's the thing. He's In the Alabama lineups to Yeah, run with. I, I hate the lineups that he runs with. Um, we were talking about, holy cow, is this the group you have with a four-point lead on the court around the 11-minute mark? And we're like, okay. what? Uh, it was maybe 10-30, and I was yeah. like, are you trying to get to the under-8? Under are you trying to get to the under-8? Because if you are, this group, every time they get a stop on defense, needs to bring the ball up to the court and eat the entire shot clock. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, I'm almost, I'm almost more worried about eating clock because I thought it was Bruce trying to buy, get to the point where he could put his starters back in the game for the final straight minutes. Right. There was a moment where it was an early in the shot clock shot by Alabama, hard rebound. Trey gets it, and he does not have numbers.
1: It's like it's a like, one on three.
2: Yeah, it's a one on three, and he pushes it into that, and it turns into a nothing possession. I don't know if he gets his shot blocked and they're going the other way, or he turns it over. It was something bad,
1: which is weird because was, he doesn't, he never does that.
2: Exactly, it was a moment when, and that's what I'm talking about with freshman yeah. moments, right? But it's a moment where he needs to have the awareness of one who he's on the court with, and pull that thing out, and and pull the get. A, I mean, I'm if you want to get across half court, sure, fine, because. I mean, I saw it in the Northwestern-Purdue game yesterday.
1: Congratulations to your boys, by the way. Yeah,
2: and I'm sure we will talk about that at some point because that had some implications uh, yes. for Auburn in the positive, and I guess Auburn for the negative. There's there's some people that I've seen spinning. You need to be thinking about Auburn making the tournament, not where Alabama is ranked in the AP poll yeah. in the middle of February. Mm-hmm. Uh, just my opinion there. Um, we'll get into it. But the... That's a moment where he needs to pull that ball out and eat clock because then things got into a frenzy. Alabama goes and takes the lead while they're still on the court. There's no whistle for a long time. And Bruce has to burn a timeout now with a deficit at like I think it was at like seven twelve or something like that. And it was just like that. It I mean was, just- maybe it was maybe it was worse than that. I think it might have been like six fifty-two. It was, it was... So remember? Yes, yes that- it was... Sears hits a layup at 7.02 to take a, take a two-point lead. Trey brings it up the court, across half court, and at 6.52, there has not been a whistle from about 11.20 mm-hmm. to 6.52. So they, ha- they have to burn a timeout, and it kind of blew up what was, I think, because when Jared Harper was here and you had Davian Mitchell... Davian Mitchell be out there, and it felt like you were trying to steal minutes. If you could keep the lead, hang on to the lead. If you were up 8, if you Jared Harper come in and you're up 6, or you're still up 8, yeah. then you just stole 3 minutes. Right. And that's huge, because Davian was so bad offensively. And I think that that is, he, he ended up becoming what he became at Baylor, and was a really good player. Um, but I thought that Trey has shown you enough that I think Trey is, you feel good about Trey in the future. He's a freshman, though.
1: Right. And you bring up those, you bring up that timeout right around that six minute mark where there were back to back TV timeouts where there was a TV timeout, there was one play by Alabama, and then another big long timeout. That's where the game changed right there. Auburn was playing fine. They were in it. They were back and forth, you know, one point leads, changing back and forth with Alabama. And then after those two back to back timeouts where Alabama made some adjustments, they settled down. That's where the game turned because Auburn was winning this game for the first 34 minutes. And after that, Alabama took over and they were winning down the stretch and they went and won the basketball game.
2: Another thing, Ed brought up small guards, and I do want to bring up this. Under Bruce Pearl, like, Sharif was not a bad small guard. Sharif was really good. Now Sharif had his suspension and then the ankle injury, which is why we only saw him for 12 games. When he played – He was really, really freaking good. And he's balling out right now in the G League. And then before him, think about it, Javon McCormick? Javon McCormick was an unranked junior college player who became like a, really should have been like an All-SEC guard in the year that he ran point. Like, he was good. He was way better than you ever would have expected. Mm -hmm. Before him, Jared Harper was unbelievable. Maybe one of the best small guards in Auburn history. Maybe the best small guard in the country that year. Really, when you think about it, Wendell Green, just the inconsistency, you could make an argument, might be the only miss of a small guard. And it could be. I don't think it's fair. Now, yes, they're going to go get some size. I think they've tried to get size, it hasn't worked out. But I don't think it's necessarily an issue, small guards all the time.
1: We're going to talk to Joey Blackwell, Obama Central, get his thoughts on the game on Saturday when we come back.
0: on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Byrd on ESPN 106.7 Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: 30 minutes into our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Byrd with you here on the Auburn Opelika sports leader, ESPN 106.7 Well, Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central. He joins us every Monday here on the show talking all things Alabama athletics. Joey, happy Monday. Hope you're doing well. Uh, tuscaloosa should be uh, rumbling right about now alabama fans probably pretty happy with the uh, win on saturday in the new ap poll that has the crimson tide as the number one team in the country
4: yeah it's been a big weekend for alabama basketball obviously not just winning down in auburn but like you said the new number one team in both the ap and the and the coaches poll first time since the o two o three season just the second time in in program history, it's also the highest they've ever been ranked uh, this late in the season, so um, big weekend for that. I'm sure we're about to break it down, but yeah, uh, for for fans in Tuscaloosa, it's uh, definitely a a good Monday and a good way to start the week.
2: Joey, I guess uh, with the way that this Auburn-Alabama game played out on Saturday, do you think it played out the way Alabama fans thought, and uh, how nervous do you think they were when they were down as late as, what, six and a (laughs) half minutes left in the second half? Yeah. You know, I think I
4: think as far as realistic Alabama fans are, I think that game went pretty pretty close, um, pretty by the book. Um I know that I, I, I know on this program several times I thought that Alabama was going to lose the game. Um, but you know, it's it was it was very close and Auburn was able to they, they did a fantastic job of guarding Brandon Miller, especially in the first half. Um, just a, a really I mean still limited I mean Griffin I mean Miller's obviously been one of their best three-point shooters and he still was over 7 so kudos to the tigers on that but um you know i, I think that uh sorry i forgot the second part of your question um, what was the second part of your question
2: i guess it was like how nervous do you think alabama fans were <laughs> down one with six twelve left
4: absolutely i'm um, very nervous um i mean that game came down to some some calls on on both sides um at the end of the day, Auburn, you know, just got a little sloppy with the basketball there at the very end, and if they hadn't had those couple of turnovers late, who knows how close it would have been, or if Alabama even won. So, um, uh, it, it was it was a great game. I, I think it really shows just how much college basketball has grown in the state of Alabama. Obviously, starting with Bruce Pearl coming to Auburn a while ago, and then with Nate Oates coming to Alabama and raising their level of. Of of um of of play every year. This is something we can look forward to. We still have one more game on March first, which will obviously be a, be a, a lot of fun too. But looking forward to watching these two coaches go at it for for several years. It's definitely gonna be a lot of fun.
1: Alabama defeats Auburn on Saturday 77 to 69 inside of Neville Arena Joey can you agree that the scoreboard and the final score maybe is not uh, indicative of the actual result of the game of course Alabama wins at the final buzzer but or when the buzzer sounds they win but was this really a big of a win on the scoreboard or as it was in the game
4: yeah, you know, I think. I mean, obviously, the eight points. I think that that doesn't depict how close that you know the game was. I think I think one point in either way, in either way um, would have been a better depiction. Um, I I think that you know Alabama has that run late that puts them ahead, and then there were some some questionable foul calls on both sides that kind of skewed the game. I know I saw a lot of Auburn fans upset about that, and rightfully so. Um, but there were some, some calls on the other side. You know, I really don't like to blame games on officials, mm-hmm. but unfortunately basketball is one of those sports where a lot of times they can heavily impact the game. Um, so I, I don't want to hang it on that. I don't, I don't think that that's ultimately why Alabama won, but that did definitely make it, um, make it make it lean in that Alabama's favor at the end. But I think it's, I think it's closer than the scoreboard indicates, and, you know, I, I think that the way Auburn fought um, should definitely warrant them, you know, the, being in the tournament. This is still a, a really good Auburn team. Um, they still will make the tournament. I think they can still have potential to go deep in the SEC tournament. It's just a matter of you know trying to right the ship, you know, in these final few weeks here before before we get to tournament play.
2: Joey, when you look at uh, Brandon Miller in this game, it felt like he was a little maybe uh, early on. He had Zepp Jasper guarding him, and Zepp Jasper was. Right up in his face from from the word go, and it felt like it bothered him a little bit. He's a 44% three-point shooter, 0 for 7 from 3. Now, he was, I think, 5 for 5 from 2. Maybe not the biggest game we've seen out of him. How did you see Auburn attack him, and how did you see him respond late when he made a couple big buckets and a couple big free throws?
4: Well, Auburn in general—it wasn't just against Brandon Miller, but over the course of the entire game, they did a fantastic job of protecting the perimeter. I mean, Bama was only six of 21 from from third and three-point land, which is you know what they've been hanging their hat on for several years now since those came to Tuscaloosa, and they were not able to shoot the three um, um, down there this past weekend. So, I don't think it was just necessarily Brandon Miller and, um, at, and you know to solo him out. I think it was the entirety of the perimeter defense. Um, that being said, um, I. I I think one thing that this Auburn team needs to get better at moving forward, if they do want to kind of right this ship, I think they're going to have to be better at protecting the short jumpers because they're very solid on the interior and they're very solid perimeter. But right in the middle during like transitionary, like the transition area in between those two, that's when Auburn is giving away a lot of points. And that's why we saw, you know, Miller get, you know, B five for five. So um, I, I think that um, – I think that the, but the perimeter was, was the best way to lock them down, and they, they capitalize on that. Bruce Pearl obviously has done a fantastic job, Jasper, did, um, in in, a, in preparing for him. I think he probably did the best job at preparing for him that we've seen all year. But this goes back to how this Alabama team time and time again keeps proving that even when its best shooters aren't having a good day, they can still win with other players stepping up. We saw that from Jaden Bradley. He was able to step up. We saw that particularly from Ryland Griffin. Um, with his team leading 16 points. So even when ninth, that Brandon Miller isn't doing well, the other guys are able to step up, and that's why this team is now the number one team in the country right now.
1: Speaking with Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, he joins us every Monday here on On the Line. You mentioned Alabama now in the newest AP poll. They are the top team in all the land, number one in the rankings, thanks to a, a big win on Saturday here in Auburn, and then uh, Northwestern taking down number one Purdue yesterday. Uh, how were, how were Alabama fans? feeling joey that that is my my
2: other team where i got my other degree my my northwestern wildcats helping out alabama
4: there <laughs> Little, dual edged sword then for you <laughs> <now>.
1: <laughs> yeah well so so with that how are alabama fans feeling now that and you mentioned it earlier only the second time in program history that the crimson tide have been number one overall
4: yeah you know um yesterday i was actually at i don't uh I don't know if you guys know Nick Kelly is, but he's the Tuscaloosa beat writer um, mm-hmm. for Alabama. And he, he got engaged yesterday and saw so that little engagement party. And so, of course, there were a lot of Alabama fans there. And we were all there when Purdue uh, lost. And the, the room was shocked, <laughs> to say the least. Um, nobody thought that Purdue was going to be losing that game, not just that one, but probably for the rest of the regular season. And um, I, I think – the next question was, okay, is Alabama going to be undefeated? I personally didn't – I'm sorry, is Alabama going to be ranked number one? I personally didn't think that. I thought that, that Houston was going to get the edge, even though Alabama had beaten them earlier this season. Um, but, yeah, the feeling in Tuscaloosa is just like it was yesterday. It's kind of shock, but also surprise, and, and definitely not in the bad way. Um, you know, I think the Alabama still has some tough games coming up. They obviously have to play Auburn again. This Tuesday they have to play texas a and i A&M – I'm sorry, not Texas A&M, they have to play at Tennessee – they do play Texas A&M still on the final game of the season. They have Georgia, South Carolina. So it's not the easiest of schedules left. These are teams that are all giant killers that are able to take down Alabama. So um, we'll just have to wait and see how it, how it all plays out.
2: Joey, are you surprised that given that Northwestern win over Purdue and Purdue dropping a couple games here in the past couple weeks, that in some bracketologies, like CBS still has given the number one overall seed in the tournament to Purdue?
4: you know, I think, you know, those projections are also, you know, people taking into account how it's not necessarily where teams are right now. It's how they're going to impress with these next few weeks. Here. Right. Um, Alabama definitely has the far more difficult schedule than Purdue does um, heading through at least the regular season. Um, I know that Purdue will obviously have, have their conference tournament, and Alabama will as well, but um, Alabama's path is a lot more difficult. But, no, it d- doesn't surprise me at all. I see Bama staying at one for at least a couple of weeks here, but – I also see Alabama probably losing another game before the season's over. So, um, no, Purdue, Purdue maintaining that one overall seed just makes it makes a ton of sense, and, and they definitely deserve to be there
1: well joey you just kind of jumped into my next question because all year long you've been telling us that the trap game on the schedule was this past saturday at auburn for this alabama team and now they get that win i was going to ask you do you think they went out from here you mentioned a tough game on the road this week top 10 tennessee they still have um arkansas who has gotten better again to play auburn and then they finish the year on the road at texas a&m does this alabama team win out
4: yeah you know i I'm, I'm, I'm still a, a believer that that, that they won't. Um, I, they keep proving me wrong <laughs> because it seems like every trap game they've had, they've been able to overcome. Um, and when you have a team that can do that, that really makes it you know difficult to predict. But um, this Tennessee team is obviously a really good team. They played they play Wednesday night. Um, I think these this Georgia and South Carolina game
5: are also potential. More
4: so, Georgia. Georgia has really come about. I mean. They've had a, 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 a year that's been much better than people anticipated. Um, I could definitely see that being a trap game, because especially if Alabama is able to beat Tennessee, I think that's the last um, game that, that the players have been looking forward to right now. So if you, that you could easily see them looking ahead to Arkansas and Auburn and Texas A&M and looking past Georgia and South Carolina. so um, Those two games that are kind of sandwiched there in the middle with the Bulldogs and the, uh, the Gamecocks probably are, are the, the two biggest worries right now. But like I said, this, this basketball team just keeps proving me wrong. Um, they keep showing that the trap games don't really affect them, and um, they've done a really good job so far.
2: Joey, uh, it's baseball opening week as everybody really gets rolling, I guess. There might be some games on Thursday, but I know most everybody gets gets going on Friday. Uh, as this baseball season gets rolling, what, what should we expect from Alabama this year? I know that they're actually picked by the coaches to finish ahead of Auburn in the SEC
4: West. Yeah, you know, but uh, with, with with baseball, I've, I've said this once. I've said it a thousand times. But people like to point at how competitive the SEC is, and particularly in football, but also basketball. There is no more competitive conference um, than the SEC is in baseball. It is from top to bottom loaded with talent. Um, Brad Bohannon, who is the head coach of Alabama, says, especially year especially the year West. Out he, yeah, especially the West, and he and he says year in and year out that you can finish, you know, a tenth or twelfth in the conference and still be you know, worthy of being in the top 15 teams in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just how good baseball is. And with the particular Alabama team this year, you know, they do have some losses. They obviously lost Zane Ditton. Um, he transferred to Tennessee. Um, Owen Diadati left for Oregon. They also lost Eric Fago, but they do have some really good players. Their lineup should be relatively similar to what it was last year. They have Andrew Pinkney back, who's looking to be a really impressive player this year for them. Drew Williamson's back, Jim Jarvis. Um, just up and down the lineup, they still bring a lot of power back and a lot of consistent hitting. Um, in the rotation, um, they just announced their starters today. You're going to have Grayson Hitt and Jacob McNary and Ben Hess this weekend, who all three kind of earned their stripes last year. You also have Garrett McMillan, who his status is kind of up in the air right now. He was you know, their Friday starter last year, but from of what some sources have told me, he might have had an injury that could keep him out for the first month of the season, so we'll have to keep tabs on that, but this is an Alabama team that, you know, I I saw some projections today that are projected to be a a two-seed at a regional, so um, but winning the SC tournament, probably not. But making a regional for the second time in three years, that would definitely be a, a feather in Brad Bohannon's cap at this point in his career. Do
2: you think in la- on that second weekend when Auburn goes to Los Angeles to play USC and Alabama goes out to Malibu to play uh, Pe- Pepperdine <laughs> that they they get together and hang out at all? <laughs>
4: Probably not, but maybe they'll run into each other at the beach. I wish I could be there right about <laughs> about now, how cold it's been lately. But uh, I Heard that. I'm definitely jealous of those, those destinations, that's for sure.
1: Hey, man, maybe they'll get together for a little backyard baseball or something, a little scrimmage on the beach. You never know.
4: <laughs> maybe so. Maybe they'll watch the basketball games.
1: Yeah, cool. there you go. Well, <laughs> Alabama baseball getting underway this weekend. They host Richmond. Uh, you just announced they're talking about the starters for Alabama. What are you looking for in opening weekend for the Crimson Tide?
4: Yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to them, you know, jumping out. At, uh, I'd like to see how they start out of the gate, particularly in pitching. Like I said, with with Garrett McMillan potentially out, um, I'm interested to see how you know Grayson hit is the is as is a Friday starter for them. Um, he did a, a really good job, particularly at the, in the second half of the season last year. Um, I'm also looking forward to seeing how the, one of the, the Baman's biggest weaknesses the past few years has been their bullpen, particularly late. So. Um, hopefully they're they're able to get that up and and, and really um, bring it there. So I'm more interested in the pitching. I think I think the batting lineup is going to be sound though. Um, I think it's very similar to last year's. So you know they should improve. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely going to be looking at their pitching. That's that's the number one concern right now.
1: Well, Alabama baseball gets underway on Friday night with a weekend series against Richmond. Uh, man, I know we're excited for baseball season. I know you are as well.
4: Absolutely, it's my favorite time of year when you have basketball and baseball going on at the same time. So, uh, really looking forward to it, and I uh, thank you guys.
1: Yeah, we appreciate you. Go ahead and plug everything you got, real quick. Let everybody know where they can find all your stuff.
4: <laughs> Absolutely, everybody can find me on Twitter at Blackwell Sports. Find all my writing and my as well as my coworkers at BamaCentral com, and you can follow us at BamaCentral pretty much every social media platform so uh, thank you guys for having me i really appreciate y'all
1: yeah we appreciate it joey we'll talk to you next week that is joey blackwell of bama central he joins us every monday here on on the line and uh, we appreciate him jumping on talking all things alabama athletics talking basketball of course they take down auburn on saturday they are now the number one team in the country and then switching to baseball a little bit as they get going against richmond this weekend in tuscaloosa we'll take our final break come back wrap up our number one we'd love to hear from you and your thoughts on anything going on 334-321-1390 we will wrap up our number one on the other side
0: you are on the line on espn 1067 online at espnau.com or on the espn 1067 app
1: Wrapping up our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Big thank you to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. Again, he joins us every Monday at 2.30 right here on the show talking all things Alabama athletics. And uh, we had a couple of things to talk about with Alabama basketball defeating Auburn over the weekend, also being number one in the country, Alabama baseball getting underway, Auburn baseball getting underway this weekend as well. And also, here's some good news in MLB The Braves reported today, and one of the players who did was Ronald Acuna Jr., so Braves fans should be happy that uh, he was one of the first ones to report. And also, I think Braves fans will find this interesting. According to uh, David O'Brien, who is uh, one of the uh, biggest Braves reporters that there is, he posted this on his Instagram 52 minutes ago. Again, this is from David O'Brien. I'm going to read the statement. It says, Hall of Famer Chipper Jones will rejoin the Braves staff as a hitting consultant this season, the role he had in 2021. He wasn't on the staff last season due to MLB's COVID vaccination mandate for all coaches, a requirement that has now been dropped for 2023. As a consultant rather than a full-time coach, Jones will be in uniform and will work with hitters before home games and possibly a road trip or two. So, Chipper Jones... A Braves legend, a baseball legend, uh, is rejoining the Brave staff as a hitting consultant. So I think that's some pretty cool news that Chipper Jones will be on the staff again for the Braves.
2: Oh, I think he's kind of been around the program for a little while.
1: Uh, I mean he he worked. Well, he like I said he he was not on or it the, last the year for right, but he wasn't on the staff because of the COVID mandates yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. So he stepped away. But, but now they dropped that, so now he's back. Because I think it was two years ago. There is a
2: fascinating, really fascinating. Uh, video with Austin Riley in studio with the MLB network and he talks about the work that Chipper Jones he and Chipper Jones did together that transformed his career. Um rather than like sitting on a pitch in a spot or sitting on pitches, he started to hunt windows. So like if the ball At a certain point, like a few feet out of the pitcher's hand, if it was in a certain window, it's go time. Like, Mm -hmm. go after it. And that, and I I love that that is what Austin Riley, like, seems to point to as what has turned him into a, um, what, top five third baseman, top three third baseman in baseball? I'd I'd say top five easily. And NL MVP candidate the past two years like it's been a lot of fun to watch that uh him just become an absolute monster and sign this long-term deal with the Braves um yeah I just think that Chipper Jones the fact that he was the best switch hitter of all time Hall of Famer greatest Brave ever I think you can he's gotta be that Yeah, yeah he's absolutely that yeah um Having him around the organization, I think, is always positive.
1: I do too. And again, the Braves reported today. Uh, Cunha was one of the guys who reported. So uh, that's always good to see. Baseball's here, man. Like, baseball is here. And just like Joey was saying, uh, this is his favorite time of the year where you've got basketball and baseball overlapping. Uh, it is a really, really fun time as, of course, Auburn gets underway in baseball this weekend. Uh, they've got a, a weekend series coming up. Just talked about Alabama opening up. And uh, I think Joey is correct. He quoted Alabama's head coach saying, you could finish 10 or or less in the SEC, 10, 11, 12, whatever, and you still have a good chance to be top 15, top 20 in all of college baseball because of how competitive it is. And I think softball is the exact same way. When you are good in your own conference within the SEC, if you're one of the top teams in this conference, you're one of the top teams in America because of how competitive baseball and softball have become in the Southeastern Conference, and it's only going to get better when Texas and Oklahoma come along.
2: Yeah, I feel like um Am I crazy to say uh Am I crazy to say that I feel like maybe SEC softball's like dipped a
1: hair, but SEC baseball I, think I don't think so. Has? I think so. Yeah, I, I I would say so, especially with and I think Auburn dipping a little bit had something to do with that. Yeah. Um, I think that plays into that. But no, I wouldn't say you're crazy speaking of which.
2: That. Auburn in their opening weekend went four and one, crushed it. Uh, crushed they it. lost eight to seven to Pitt. That was because they loss.
1: gave up a ton of runs to start the game, and they came back and almost won it. So we'll talk some of that with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network coming up in hour number two. Give us a call. Phone lines are open 1390. Hour number two coming up.
0: Is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line, live on ESPN 106.7.
1: You're on the line, here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn up sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. It's a beautiful day. Here in the auburn Opelika area. Yesterday was nasty, and then it got a little bit better near the end of the afternoon. Sunny, and then today is a beautiful day. It's supposed to get a little warm over the next couple of days, uh, so look forward to that. Maybe if you're able to squeak out of the office and and uh, get a nine-hole round in or something at the golf course, I, I highly recommend that you do that. But uh, hope you're all doing well on this Monday, February 13th, 2023. Hour number one is officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two is underway of the Monday edition of On the Line right here on ESPN 106.7. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you here on this Monday afternoon. If you missed any of the first hour, uh, we talked Auburn basketball and their loss to Alabama on Saturday and we also talked with Joey Blackwell of Central. Got his thoughts on the basketball game. His thoughts on Alabama being number one in the country. And also got a uh, little information about Alabama baseball as they get going underway just like everybody else around college baseball does coming up in just a few days. So if you missed any of that from the first hour, uh, be sure to go and find the podcast. You can find it ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center and you can find a commercial free right after the show right there. So again if you missed any of that, go and find it there. But here in the second hour, we're going to talk more uh, Auburn basketball and their loss against Alabama on Saturday. Later on in the show, we're going to talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, get his thoughts on that and all the athletics uh, news going on with Auburn. You had basketball, gymnastics, softball, baseball. You got all, t- all kinds of stuff going on right now for Auburn Athletics. So we'll talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network coming up at 3.30. But uh, phone lines are open until then. We'd love to hear from you your thoughts about the Super Bowl last night, uh, your favorite commercial, the halftime show, anything, the game itself. We'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390, your thoughts on Auburn's basketball loss over the weekend to alabama where they sit right now in bracketology anything on your mind give us a call we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 and carter we've talked about the game itself on saturday uh, again it's another game where auburn had a chance to win uh it's a game where auburn was in it they were winning for the first 34 minutes and then alabama just showed that they're just a better team. And yep. they took control. They went and won the basketball game. And if you remember on Friday, I said, I said Auburn is going to have or I said Alabama's gonna have to come in and win the game. They are gonna have to beat Auburn to get a win in Neville Arena. They didn't for the first 34 minutes, but yet they hung around the whole time because they shot 60% from the floor. And down the stretch, they showed why they're the best team in college basketball, and they went and won the game on Saturday. So
2: yeah, you and I, um, kind of, I guess we we talked about this when you took called into after the game. Mm-hmm. The difference in this game, I mean, an Alabama team that is a pretty good three point shooting team. Um, they were shooting, I think, around thirty five percent as a team. Uh, coming into this game, it has now has dipped to 35.1. So I think they were like 35.6 maybe coming in. Um, maybe a little bit lower than that. But Auburn holds them to 6 of 21, 28.6%. And Alabama gets to the free throw line 23 times and only hits 13 for 56.5%. And yet, it was Auburn's inability to get stops from two that eventually spelled Auburn's doom in this game, really. Because these guards for Alabama that I talked about all week, it was the matchup that I knew nobody was... Everybody was talking so much about Brandon Miller and how what he could do against Auburn. I thought Auburn would figure out a plan for him. And they I felt like Auburn... I'm pretty happy with Auburn's play. They
1: did their job. You held I mean, him to he go seven from the three-point line and 13 points. That is a he win goes in five, my book. He
2: goes five of five from two, but he's Brandon Miller. He's going to make some shots exactly. At some point. Um, you, you, he only gets to 13 points in the game. But what killed Auburn is Jaden Bradley, five of six from the field. He did not shoot a three. Uh, 12 points. Uh, he he interestingly enough went two of six at the free throw line as a point guard, which is. You don't see that ever, right, right? Uh Mark Sears, 15 points, five seven from the field, two of three from three,
1: three of four at the line. My one of my biggest pet peeves in basketball is a guard that misses free throws. I hate that. I can't stand it. That's well, a huge pet peeve of mine. Fair enough.
2: I, I think that that's a pretty good one to have. To be honest with you, 16 points for Rylan Griffin, five seven from the field, three of five from three, three of four at the line, and Javon Quinterly two points, one of one from the field. The percentage there, I did the math on it. It's what? It's They were 16 of, I believe, 21. And I think they were 11 of 13 from two. Mm-hmm. That's too easy. Because they were using their speed. They were cutting. They were getting to the paint.
1: And Janai Broom and Dylan Carpill weren't there. They were just not there. They were literally not there. The lane was wide open. And when wide they, open.
2: when they would be there they would go up and they would fall for the reverse and the, the guards would use the rim to protect the basketball and get some layups and like mm-hmm. Auburn just did a poor job of that Ryland Griffin's first bucket of the game this one will bother me about this game every time I think about it because yes Jani Broom had been whistled for one foul and it was not a foul it, he he got a steal it got all ball. It should have been a, a possession for Auburn going the other way. Instead, they called a foul. He let that foul affect him because he is on the opposite block as Rylan Griffin comes right down the paint on the left side and he has the opportunity to step over and cut him off and cut off the ball. He didn't come off the block and Rylan Gr- Griffin gets a wide open dunk. Like, you, you cannot. I get it. Your first two fouls we're soft, we're very soft, and Jay Billis even said it, neither of those were fouls, but he let it affect him. And, like, that's happening too often where something is affecting Janiah Broom's physicality and
1: toughness on the court in games. Side note, can we talk about how game day, college game day, dropped an absolute ball when they were doing game day live from Auburn? Did you see that? their game day intro to open up the show they played last week's show open it said it was doing a, a like a drone pan over over a campus and it's like that's not auburn where is that and they kept doing it and it said live from you know live college game day from durham north carolina they played last week's game day <laughs> open on auburns and yep. then they were showing the pan of north carolina's campus or Duke's campus, I don't remember where they were. I guess Duke, right? Yes. They were at Duke. And then they automatically pan into the gym to the student section, and Reese Davis goes, Well, that's a turnover out of the gate. And everybody, la- like the guys at the desk, laughed and they just ran with it. And it's like, Wow, you had literally one job to <laughs> not drop the ball on that. And they did. And yeah. unfortunately, they really never talked about Auburn at all. The only reason they talked about Auburn. And I love college game day. I love that crew. I love the show. I love everything about it. But they came to Auburn, and the only time they talked about Auburn was the four minutes that Bruce Pearl was on the show. The only time they talked about the matchup, they talked about Alabama and Brandon Miller, which I get it. They're the number one team in the country. But game day didn't have their best performance on Saturday. That's a side note.
2: Yeah. Um, but back to who? Jani Yes. I mean, against, against Tennessee – I thought he let the physicality of the game get to him and bother him. Wait, and I, Again, it's happened time and time again. And he quit going in the paint on offense, and he all of a sudden he became a very passive offensive player in that game. He was not looking to go toward the basket when he would catch it on the block or the block extended. He was pivoting around, looking to pass, shooting some fadeaway shots. That's just not really his game. Mm-hmm. And in this one... I think he let the, the two quick fouls, I think he let, let it affect his physicality on defense. And look, he cannot go 3-for-11 from the floor. That's not good enough. And he had good looks. He just didn't make them. Well, there, so there's something that I've noticed all year, and I think I may have vocalized it on after the game for the first time um, on Saturday. Their possessions, where he catches the ball two, three feet farther out than he normally does, and you know he's looking for that left-handed jump hook thing that he has, and it's short. It's like he it doesn't account for the mm-hmm. fact that he's catching the ball at farther out. He's short all when he catches the ball a couple feet outside of where he normally does. When he catches it right around the block, he's really good and he's a bucket more times than not.
1: That's what I was gonna say. About ten to twelve feet, he's decent. Like he can hit that, but oh, if I he catches it, no, no, it, I
2: think he's inside that. I think he's. I think he's. Oh, I
1: was, I was think, gonna say about fifteen feet when he's catching because he catches it on that baseline, right? He catches it yes. on the baseline outside of the block. I'm, I'm saying say eight feet. Yeah, maybe. I'll say eight yeah. feet. I think he's great. But when he catches but I get it what at you're ten, for sure. When he catches it at ten. He's short. He's off yeah. the front rim every time. And another problem I've seen is when he gets like a back cut or he gets a cut through the lane and he gets the ball. I saw this multiple times in this game. I've seen it all year long from him. You see it a lot nowadays with big men in college basketball when they get the basketball and they're fed into the paint. Instead of going to the basket where he was past the defender, you know, the, Jani Barum caught the basketball on the block. In basically he was cutting, caught the ball on the block. The defender was behind him. Janai Broom had a chance to go up and lay it off the glass, but what did he do? Boom. Big power dribble. What does that do? That lets the defense catch up. And guess what? The Alabama defender, I can't remember who it was, he came up and contested the shot. He missed it, and it was going the other way. I don't know why that has become a habit with guys playing basketball now, but when they get it down low, they feel the need to to do that one big power dribble before they put it up off the glass or lay it in or dunk it or whatever. But what you're doing when you do that is when you take that dribble, you are stopping your momentum, you're letting the defender catch up and contest the shot. That doesn't need to happen. Sure, there are times where a dribble will help you get better position on a defender if he's below you, but if he's behind you or he's backing you, Put it up off the glass. Put it up. And Jani didn't do that. And there were multiple times in this game where that happened with Jani Broom. And this is something that has caught on with a lot of basketball players in the last five years uh, that I've seen guys play. Man, I remember... I remember playing middle school basketball and being told, don't put it on the floor, go up with the shot. And we see Jani Broom do that a whole lot. Hesitate on his shot and let defenders catch up and contest. Did all of
2: Dylan Carbwell's rebounds for the game come on that one position where he got a bunch of offensive boards? How many did he end up with? Like three? He ended up with three rebounds. They all were offensive rebounds. And I think they may have all happened. They may have been on one play. At this on the same position. Yeah. Like Probably. I love I love when he crashes the glass. I really do. Because it, it, it works on the offensive end, but also like, when's the last time we saw him get an offensive rebound and go up?
1: Oh, he never goes it? up.
2: He looks to throw that thing out to the top of the key every time. He's, I think he's that, thinking
1: about where he's going to throw it as he's jumping in the air for the basketball. Like 100%. And the defenders I don't think that. he
2: believes. I don't think he's developed any post game at all. And I don't think he believes in his ability to score in the post. And when, at he, all.
1: And when he gets the basketball off a rebound, you see the defense. They'll surround him. His, because he his, brings it down.
2: His only points are on lobs and, and offensive rebounds where the ball is suspended above the rim and he can get a put back dunk. Mm-hmm. Like in the same not like a grab the ball, come down. If he comes down, he ain't going back up. Nope. It is.
1: In the same motion, grab the ball and dunk it. And so coming off of this game, Auburn loses to Alabama at home. Crimson Tide now the number one team in the country uh, in the newest AP poll. And you look at an updated bracketology. ESPN has not released one, but CBS Sports has. And Auburn is now down to a 10 seed in the tournament. If the bracket were to be released today, Auburn would be playing in Des Moines, Iowa, against the number seven Duke Blue Devils. It, wouldn't that be interesting? Winner would get number two, Houston. Having been to Des Moines, I'm trying to think of what the arena is that they're playing in. That I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea. I have no idea. But the news here is that Auburn is down to a 10 seed. And Carter, as I've been saying, this team's tournament hopes are on the line from here on out. Well, if you handle your business in the next three.
2: If. The next three games that you will, will likely be favored in. By the way, we're talking about Jani Broom and physicality. I think he might get ripped limb from limb by Liam
1: Roberts in Nashville. I hope not. Have you seen
2: yes, what he I has have. done recently?
1: Oh, I have. Believe me, he I'm is, going to Nashville this weekend. That better not happen. He is unbelievable right now. And Vanderbilt's playing good ball. And Auburn's got to go on the road
2: and play them on Saturday. I think he had on Saturday, I think he had 32,
1: 10, and four blocks. I didn't know it was that much, but I knew. I know that he's been playing well, and I know Vanderbilt's been hanging around again. The SEC may be, the SEC itself is down, but there's still some competitive teams because you look at CBS's bracketology. Bama, obviously a one seed, but looking at some of the lower seeds, Arkansas is a 10 seed, Auburn is a 10 seed, right? You look at at the first four out, last four in. Mississippi State is a last four in. Kentucky and Texas A&M are the first two teams out of the tournament because Kentucky, with a horrible loss to Georgia over the weekend. Like, Kentucky is in real serious trouble to miss the NCAA tournament in Lexington. Yeah, 100%. So, I, I said Liam Roberts. My
2: apologies. But his last three games against Ole Miss, he goes 19 points, 12 boards, 2 assists, 7 blocks. Jeez. Against Tennessee, 14 points, 9 boards, uh, 1 assist, 3 blocks. And then against Florida, he took it to Colin Castleton, 32, 10, and 4 blocks. He
1: is a terrifying matchup for Jani Broom at seven foot two thirty-five. That's what I'm saying. You're talking about Auburn taking care of business. What happens if he does that in his home f- court on Saturday? Auburn will lose. Auburn will lose if he does that on Saturday. So I better – I hope not, man. I told you my my uh, my record on watching Auburn basketball on the road is pretty horrible. So, so why would you go? <laughs> because it's fun, and we're hoping for a win at some point. I saw them win in Kansas City in the Elite Eight. I'm holding on to that hope that we'll finally see Auburn win on the road in the SEC at some yeah, point. Yeah, I got to watch them in the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight that year and oh, then yeah? win to the Final Four. Yeah.
2: I spent – I spent 14 hours in the state of Minnesota in that trip because mm-hmm. my my brother bought tickets not realizing he couldn't go so he transferred it over to my name nice and told me the wrong day he bought he bought a flight out the day before so I flew out the day of the game mm-hmm he blew, He bought tickets for the day before and had it wrong and told me the wrong day. Nice. Showed up to the Montgomery Airport with my ticket and they're like, "We don't have that re- that on record." And they and they go, "That's actually yesterday's flight." Oh no! So I had to scramble. I got to uh, Minneapolis an hour and a half before tip. Oh, my by God. just scrambling to
1: figure it out. Oh, I would have been stressed. And then booked, I would have been so stressed. Rebooked and flew out at. 6 a.m. the next morning dude that sounds horrible but it was worth it hopefully uh, at least, you at least got to go to the Final Four. That's yes. a cool experience. But, hey, we got to get to our first break here in hour number two. Phone lines are open for the next couple of minutes. What are your thoughts on Auburn basketball? What would you think about the Super Bowl last night? We're going to talk about it when we come back. The commercials, halftime show, game itself. Uh, Chiefs win again. Patrick Mahomes, his second MVP this season, and now his second ring as a Super Bowl champion. We'll talk about it when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line.
0: are on the line on espn 1067 call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502
1: back inside the studio here at espn 1067 Alberta up a sports leader talking the super bowl a little bit as the eagles mean, what the
2: super bowl being northwestern upsetting purdue Oh, I forgot. we have not. Okay,
1: we can start there. We can start there because we have not. Uh, we've mentioned not it, but we haven't talked about it because that happened before the Super Bowl yesterday, which is a big moment. Uh, part of the reason that Alabama's number one now is Purdue lost on the road at Carter's favorite school, Northwestern. <laughs> i tell you what.
2: this is. Um, this was so big. This was so big. This is big for Auburn. You can... You can spin it into, oh, this is awful. Alabama's ranked number one. Okay, they did that two years ago. They did that two years ago. And re- remember, they did the funniest thing I've ever seen. When that, You know when the committee releases the early bracket? Mm-hmm. Do you remember when they released it and Alabama was the number one overall seed? And they made a graphic about it on social media. That is the softest thing I've ever seen. Uh, I just wanted to get that out there before we bring it back. Tell to, them how you to, feel, man. To Northwestern. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. It really was. Um, but when you look at this Northwestern team, this is Auburn's second quad one win. Auburn fans need to be massive Northwestern fans the rest of the way. It's becoming Auburn's best win. Arkansas still there, and Arkansas just took a loss to Mississippi State. So, like, it's it's a fair argument at this point.
1: It's literally becoming Auburn's best win on their resume.
2: It is. It is so big uh, to see Northwestern figure out ways to to win games. They've won in the past week and a half. They went to Wisconsin and beat them. To Ohio State, beat them. Who is and down this year? But but. I have to say it's but a stupid difficult schedule. If you go look fair, they're they're a top forty kinpom and Net rankings team, despite being after Northwestern beat them, Are being eleven and thirteen. Yeah. That should give you an idea of how challenging their their schedule has been. But this one all but or almost secures Northwestern a tournament bid. I think they have to win one more game. If they win one more game, they're in. But as it stands, they are 44th in kimpom or if they're 46th in kimpom 44th in the net rankings i believe they're a quad one win as long as they stay above 50 they get indiana at home this week in a big one if if northwestern wins that they they sweep indiana um but this is huge for auburn Because Auburn's other quad one win is Arkansas. That one's probably pretty safe, especially with Arkansas bringing back Nick Smith. Nick Smith played for the first time uh, since January uh, this past week. But State, that State team that I told you all is pretty good. Went on the road and got a big win there. Yeah, that was
1: a really good game. Yes. Um, But
2: Northwestern continuing to win is huge for Auburn because I have talked to some people who do bracketology stuff They talk about how critical it is for Auburn to have multiple quad one wins. So, if you're an Auburn fan, you need to root for Northwestern every time out. I don't care what it does to Alabama in the AP poll in the middle of February. Let that take care of itself when it's all said and done. Whatever. I mean, Alabama might win the national championship. Who knows? But
1: for Auburn's resume, this is a huge, 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 huge moment. Well... Like you said earlier, Auburn Auburn fans don't need to worry about what Alabama's doing right now. Auburn fans better be worrying if their team's going to make the tournament. Mm-hmm. If they're going to make the tournament, that is where we're at right now with this Auburn basketball team. So I agree. I think Northwestern taking down Purdue was huge. Northwestern continuing to win is big for Auburn because that may be their best win on the resume because what has Auburn shown that gives you confidence they're going to beat big quad one wins on the rest of their schedule? Nothing in my opinion.
2: I uh, I think if Auburn plays the way that they did on Saturday. Well, I think if they fair. play the way that they did on Saturday, fair. they will win. Tennessee. I think that they will beat Tennessee at home. I think that they can beat Kentucky on the road. They they Kentucky's not so, very good. They
1: play so bad in Rupp. They play so bad in Rupp every single time. They does, play so does bad. Does this Kentucky team play well in Rupp? No. Okay. But that doesn't mean anything. I, th- that'll be the game that Kentucky shows up and Sheeboe goes off for 35 points. Like... Yeah, but she, she, what I the saving grace there is, Sheway's not
2: good on defense, so at least you feel like Janai can hopefully get something going. I agree, but hope in this Northwestern game with 3:52 left, they're down eight, which is they insane. have to burn a timeout, and from that point on, they go on a, I mean, it's it's insane because they a three pointer dunk, right? they go on like a what it was, it was 55:47. They go on a 18 or 15 to 3 run to finish the game. 15 to 3 run. This Northwestern team is for real. And by the way, I just want to mention this because I absolutely hate it. Um, ESPN's article this morning: Men's College Basketball Power Rankings, Purdue knocks itself off number one spot. That is so belittling to Northwestern for pulling off that win. To be Purdue did this to themselves. But are you surprised?
1: that that's how it was worded. I'm not. That just that's so obnoxious. Oh, I agree. I agree. <laughs> that is so obnoxious. But they do that all the time. And not just ESPN. All the outlets do it. Like they. That's how they word it. Is well, Purdue didn't. They didn't get beat. They lost. Right. They. They didn't. You know what I mean? Like I, I get it. I. But to, I'm with. All right. So Northwestern's
2: 18-7. Auburn is. 17 and 8 to give you a comparison about now northwestern's non-conference schedule is brutal and that's why they're getting knocked as much as they are to give you a comparison of quad one for auburn and northwestern auburn is two and six nor northwestern is six and
3: four
1: and yet auburn is still somehow nine spots ahead of them in the net rankings and when you look at quad one wins just think of that as a tournament team that's yeah. what. That's exactly how I look at it. Auburn is two and six Auburn against has, tournament
2: teams. Auburn has zero bad losses. They have two. They're five and two in quad two. Uh, Northwestern's two and three. Both these teams don't have bad losses, but Northwestern has more. Has a really impressive quad one category that I think will give. They'll get a benefit of the doubt for what they did in conference play, even if they only win one game the rest of the way. Auburn needs to win the next three. If they don't win the next three, then you have to win. If you only take two of the next three, you have to win
1: either in Rupp or Tennessee at home in the final game, or make, make a run in Nashville. That's the only thing you got going left. But Auburn yeah, doesn't need but, Auburn does not need to go into the SEC did, tournament needing to make a run to the championship game to make the tournament. Did Texas A and M? Did the lesson of Texas A and M last
2: year prove to you that you don't need to wait till the tournament to make a run?
1: Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm saying. Auburn cannot afford to go to Nashville. Yeah expecting to make the tournament with a run in the SEC tournament. Agreed. Agreed. Coming up, we're going to have Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network talking all things Auburn athletics. You don't want to miss it.
0: You are on the line with Jacob Goertz and carter bird on espn 1067 auburn opelaka's sports leader
1: 30 more minutes here on the monday edition of on the line jacob goins and carter bird with you on espn 1067 welcoming in our good friend jacob hillman of the auburn sports network hillman it is a busy busy time here on the plains with auburn athletics my friend
5: it, it is we are approaching crossover season once baseball gets kicked off or uh, or first pitch is thrown on friday and uh, it's an exciting time on the plains.
1: You got basketball, gymnastics, softball, baseball, basketball. I mean, it is, it is. Right now is the busiest time of the year, no?
5: Oh, uh, yeah, just a bit. I mean, even you know, football is such an event, but right. we got all these games going on, all these events. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's busy for sure.
1: Well, we'll start with basketball and work our way through as Auburn hosted Alabama on Saturday. They hosted College Game Day on Saturday, and they were winning on Saturday against Alabama for, I'd say, about the first 34 minutes of that game. It just came up a little short down the stretch. Alabama comes in, and they beat Auburn 77-69. to They're now the number one team in the country. Jacob, what would you see from the Tigers on Saturday inside Neville Arena?
5: Yeah, Auburn did about everything you had to do uh to defeat the best team in the country you had the electric atmosphere you, you 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 pretty much you led the game most of the first like you said 34 36 minutes of the game but then obviously things began to unravel at the end and uh you know you miss one of your last 10 shots or you make only one of your last 10 shots then it's going to be tough to win a close basketball game and uh, and that's what we saw uh even on uh on Wednesday or or Tuesday when against Texas A&M it was it was it was a great first 36 minutes, and in the last four minutes, uh, unable to finish, and and, that, and that's going to be a tough and a big deal coming tomorrow against Missouri. But but what I saw was a lot of positives. You you almost out rebounded the number one rebounding team in the nation. You grab uh, more rebounds, more offensive You grabbed 10 more offensive rebounds than Alabama did. Uh, Alabama turned the ball over three more times than Auburn did. So you, you like I said, you did everything you had to do to win but you just didn't close out in the finishing minutes. And uh, that's something that's going to have to change uh, if you're going to want to make the NCAA tournament and make some noise in the NCAA tournament.
2: Jacob, uh, Alabama did not have their best day from three. They're a 35% three-point shooting team uh, shooting about, and they shot 28.6% going 6 of 21. But where they made their head, because they almost shot 60% from the field in this game. Mm Mm-hmm. They shot 82% from two. What was the issue there for Auburn, and uh, why couldn't they protect their paint?
5: Yeah, I think that's uh, – uh, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it goes to show how good this Alabama team is. Their bread and butter is a uh, three-ball to open up uh, the inside, and, and even though they weren't able to shoot that well, they still found lanes on the inside. Of, uh, a, a, and the points in the paint, they had 44 uh, compared to Auburn's only 20. And that, that, that's a big deal. That that's about, that is probably the one other thing that uh, Auburn didn't do well enough to win on, on Saturday is really defend the paint. And it's not like I said the offensive rebounds. It's not like it came off of that. It was simply uh, Alabama's offense working really well uh, uh, just to do that. And, and I think you know coming off the bench, you look at what Ryland Griffin did, scoring 16 points uh, on five of seven shooting. Uh, he had three threes, but it still was one of those things that opened things up when Auburn's bench came in. And I think that was, that was kind of the main issue was uh, uh, some, of the, some of the defenders on, off the bench really struggled and, uh, and Alabama was able to uh, make things happen on the inside.
1: Jacob, when you look at this upcoming schedule for Auburn basketball, um, I think there are three must-win games. Missouri at Vanderbilt and then back home for Ole Miss. These are must-win games for Auburn basketball to make the tournament. Do you believe that? Right, yeah. I Coach
5: Pearl said it today in his, in his media availability press conference that tomorrow's game against Missouri is the biggest game of the year. And he, he mentioned all games, all the games are big, but Tomorrow's game, because of the situation you're in, it is the biggest game of the year. And then obviously you go to Vanderbilt and you host Ole Miss, uh, two other teams that are towards the bottom of the league, you've got to win those games. So uh, Missouri would be a solid win, and they, they are a solid team this year. And um, getting that one would be would be really nice to add to the resume. But because the three games you have to end the season, yes, these, these next three games are uh, are critical. To your NCAA tournament host, because you you really don't know what's going to happen when you go to Kentucky, when you go to Alabama, and when you host Tennessee on Senior Day, and that's uh, just one of those things you have to you have to play by, you have to deal with uh, with the scheduling. It's going to be tough in the SEC, and uh, when you get a nice stretch like this, and and you look back to January when Auburn uh, had that nice little winning streak uh, against Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, South Carolina, Auburn can win these games against teams that. Uh, that clearly they're better than they're they're, they're more talented than so um, Auburn has what it takes to to, to win these next three games. Um, it, it's obviously just going to come down to those last three games where uh, can Auburn beat one of the top tier teams in the SEC?
2: Jacob, gymnastics got the weekend uh, started off. I guess right on Friday as they took on number nine LSU, number five Auburn. Uh, and they got a big victory, 197.75 to 197.5. What have we seen out of this team, and uh, is this a performance that Auburn can build on going forward?
5: Yeah, it's absolutely huge. You're, you're coming off a week where you had your season high score, and you immediately uh, uh, topped that with a 197.75. You had a 197.7 in Tuscaloosa, and um, I said it last week: the, the wins and losses don't matter that much in gymnastics. It's all about uh, setting up for that national qualifying score uh, at the end of the season where you're in position to uh, make a run to the Final Four. And uh, when you have the best uh, gymnasts in the nation in, in Sumi Lee and you have veterans like Darion Gobern and, and Cassie Stevens uh, just performing at the, top, at the best of their ability, you're in position to
4: uh,
5: be a, a great team in the tournament. And Auburn was that last year, and this year the expectations are – through the roof that that is uh what this team wants to do is make it to the national championship and not just make it there but uh compete and win it so i i really think they're in a great position obviously these um you get past the really the, the tough teams on your schedule Florida, to alabama lsu those are going to be uh the top teams that you're facing but when you go to kentucky uh, the beginning of March I think that's what that's that's a that's a, um, a meat to keep an eye on because Kentucky's a solid program and um, they're gonna be a tough one to beat on the road and I think that could be uh, one of your indicators of what 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 you're gonna get from Auburn in the tournament
1: and and Hillman like you mentioned I mean gymnastics is so it's so focused on that total score your overall score um, the wins are great and the losses don't hurt as bad, but it's all about how you perform, whether you're home or away, and they they weigh road scores a little bit heavier, right?
5: Right, yeah. It's something that it matters how you score on the road. I mean, like I say, going to Tuscaloosa and scoring your season high 197.7, and then backing that up, coming back home uh, with a 197.75, that matters a lot. Mm -hmm. And it shows shows, uh, the gymnastics world what this team is made of, and um, it, like I said, it, it's just an exciting time to, uh, to be at Neville Arena. I mean, you, you, listen, you've only got two more chances to watch Darion Gobern and Suni Lee in, in Neville Arena. So uh, if you can make it out on February 24th against Georgia or March 10th against Penn State, uh, you better make it out because it, it's just an exciting time to be uh, watching Auburn Gymnastics.
1: Speaking with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He joins us every Monday here on On the Line as we continue to uh, churn through the sports right now for Auburn Athletics. Softball got underway this weekend uh, in a a big tournament with a lot of big-name programs. They start the season 4-1. and They defeat St. John's Fordham. They fall to Pitt after a slow start uh, offensively and gave up a lot of runs early in that game. They end up falling 8-7, to but then they back it up with two wins against Indiana, and illinois they've got the tiger invitational coming up their openers at jane b moore field this weekend what'd you see from uh, the lady tigers in softball in opening weekend
5: yeah i saw a really really solid weekend uh from auburn where you're one bad inning away from a five and a weekend with four of those wins being shutouts and uh this pitching staff is uh, is expanded and has a lot more consistency in it than it is than it uh, has in previous years. So, you know, last year, I think a lot of what you ran into uh, were uh, some pitching woes because Matty Pinta uh, is fatigued or Shelby Lowe had a, had a left wrist injury, and um, those things are things you have to deal with. But uh, Chris Ricky Dean brought in several transfers, several newcomers that are going to uh, re- really make an impact on this team. Uh, uh in that first game against uh St. John's, we saw Annabelle Weidra She went a complete game, two hitter, ten strikeouts. That is a big deal to have another option uh that can give rest to Maddie Penta and Shelby Lowe. And um obviously the offense was really impressive this week in scoring six, nine, seven, nine, and ten runs in those five games. Uh, it seems like they're picking up right where they left off last year, hitting so many home runs. I can't. I think it was before conference play last year, maybe the first SEC series or two, that the Tigers topped the previous year's home run total. And I mean, I think that trend is going to continue. Where Auburn's sent a lot of home runs, and Coach Dean talked about it on the post game um, after Sunday's game against Illinois that they're focusing on hitting line drives and uh, just having that kind of um, uh, really just that tendency to do that and uh, the discipline to do that it's going to lead to more runs and and a higher average and more home runs so I'm excited to see what this team does when um, the the competition is stiffer now this field was not weak by any means but uh, when you get into March you're going to go into Oklahoma City and playing two of the best teams in the country two teams that made the College World Series last year Uh, that's going to be major test for Auburn. Coach Steven put that on the schedule because he wants to show this team, all right, let's go to Oklahoma City and then let's make it back uh, when we get to June. So uh, I'm excited for what this team has to offer and obviously these next few weeks are going to be big for uh, uh, girls really uh, settling in and and establishing themselves on this team.
2: Jacob, we are uh, coming up on opening weekend for Auburn Baseball a team coming off a College World Series appearance, uh, where they won a game for the first time in a long time in Omaha. They open up against Indiana. Uh, what do you expect from this team, and uh, could we see a dark horse run for a team that's picked 6th in the West, potentially back to right. Omaha?
5: <laughs> right, I, and, and, what, and what, let's preface it with, you know, 6th in the West might very well be uh, top 15 in the country. Mm, that, yeah. That's how that's how SEC baseball is, and uh, it. It's a tough league to win in, and, and I think that's kind of part of your next step uh, if you're Coach Thompson in this program is, is really trying to compete for an SEC championship, because we've seen Auburn make runs in the like tournament, win in Omaha for the first time this century last year, but I think what you want to see next is a consistent regular season where uh, you win some big series. You, you go on the road and, and defeat the likes of an Ole Miss or um, or, or, or Mississippi State, and that would be a huge deal uh, uh, this season, and you're seeding an NCAA tournament. You hosted a regional last year because you did well enough in the regular season. How about getting a position for a national seed? That's that. Those are the kind of things that go through my mind. Um, but obviously, this team there's a lot of newcomers. You lose a lot. You lost Sonny Deshera. uh you lost Blake Ramus, you lost Brody Moore, but you do return guys like Casey Howell, uh, you return Bobby Pierce, Joseph Gonzalez, and that's that. That's going to be a big deal. Um, for a lot of these newcomers, because it's a mix of transfers and, and freshmen that are going to be able to contribute, and I just think that these first two weeks, where you're hosting a Big Ten school in Indiana, you're going to USC, uh, you're playing a quote-unquote neutral site game against North Alabama, um, it's going to be um, one of those one of those first two weeks where you're facing tough competition, but you still got to see uh, what everyone's made of and and how you want to. Uh, start to settle things in by the time you get to SEC play so uh, I'm excited to see what this team uh, brings to the table this weekend.
1: Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network he joins us every Monday here on On the Line it's a busy weekend in Auburn with baseball opening up at Plainsman Park you've got softball opening up at Jane B. Moore Field what does the schedule of Jacob Hillman look like this weekend?
5: Yeah I usually try to give you guys the whole Auburn Sports Network studio but I'd be here for (laughs) another 10 minutes if I did that so I'll be I'll be at J.B. Moore Field uh, Friday through Sunday uh, uh, doing these games. Uh, so uh, yeah, just it's going to be an exciting weekend at, at, at the ballpark, whether it's J.B. Moore Field or Plains and Parks. So uh, just tune in across the Auburn Sports Network and uh, men's basketball, women's basketball, everything is, is on the table this weekend. So uh, just just an exciting time uh, on the Plains.
1: You'll be on the call for softball this weekend. Yes, I will be Friday through Sunday. All right, that's what we like to see. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network uh, does a fantastic job. He'll be on the call for softball this weekend. Man, plug everything you got going on. How they can find you and listen to you on the broadcast?
5: Yeah, follow me on uh, Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. Uh, we'll be posting the details. Yes, yeah, so we'll, we'll be on the air on uh, on Friday at three o'clock for Merrimack, and then uh, it's a doubleheader against Brown, and then Saturday, uh, same same deal. Uh, 2.45 airtime and then uh, a double header that day. And then we wrap it up on Sunday at noon with an 11.45 airtime. But, oh, man, it, it's a fun time uh, on the plane and follow at AU Sports Network for everything else.
1: Well, this is the time of year where you where you remind yourself and why we love what we do as Auburn sports are in full swing right now. Jacob, we <laughs> appreciate your time, brother. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. War Eagle. That is Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. A very busy man over with uh, baseball, softball, gymnastics, men and women's basketball. I mean, it is a busy, busy time in Auburn athletics. We appreciate him taking uh, some time out of his day to talk about all of it here on On the Line. We'll get to our final break, come back, and wrap up the Monday edition of the show. And we'd love to hear from you. Any final thoughts? 3 321, 1390.
0: are on the line on espn 1067 online at espnau.com or on the espn 1067 app
1: well just kidding we're back here on the monday edition of on the line as we uh wrap up the show i thought there was a break in there but i guess not so we will uh just wrap up the show with uh whatever we want to talk about carter we haven't given full thoughts on the super bowl result from last night right we have the Chiefs winning their second Super Bowl uh, in the last four years under Andy Reid mm. with Patrick Mahomes. It was a great game. Eagles were up by double digits at the half. My pick was looking so good. And then Patrick Mahomes happened.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I really don't even think Patrick Mahomes was the better quarterback in this game. I mean, when you look at the fact that you had um, a heck, a great um, performance out of Jalen Hurts, three, three rushing touchdowns, Uh, threw for over 300 yards, had a passing touchdown, just had that fumble, and that's the uh, difference. Yep. Had that fumble that went the other way, and you saw, um, well, you saw the Chiefs pick it up, running in for a touchdown, and that turns out to be the the deciding factor of the game. The penalty at the end, I Mm. don't love. Yeah,
1: I was going to ask you about it. I I don't love it. it. A lot of people didn't love it. A lot of people didn't like it.
2: But yet... um, Who's he, the who's he, he backed it Bradbury. up. Bradbury yeah. said that he did it, and I... Okay, yeah, I guess you're owning up to it, but
1: I don't know. I just was think it a hold? I think so. Was it a weak call in that moment of the biggest game of the year? Yes. That was a weak call that, look, yes. the Chiefs were going to kick a field goal anyway, and they were going to be up, but that call in that moment, I just didn't love. Yeah, uh,
2: 100%. I think it's... Um, not great, buddy. Not great. Um, but uh, obviously, the 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 Chiefs get the victory, thirty-eight, um, thirty-five, and Pat Mahomes gets his second Super Bowl. I see. How many do we think that he
1: can get? I don't know. They're they're starting to put him in that he'll chase Tom Brady for rings, like ring numbers. I don't think he I think gets anything to that many, over four would be unbelievable I agree I agree let's get to the phone lines as we wrap up the show 334-321-1390 Dak you're on the line welcome in
6: hey guys hey yeah just a response to the the uh uh, holding call yeah it was a correct it was a correct call if we're gonna find rails talk about finding rails next year for blown calls or not making a call he has to make that call when he sees it I agree that ref don't know that the ball's going to be thrown out of the back of the end zone at that point when he drops the flag. And if you'll notice from the backside when they show the replay, that play was designed to go to him. He ran a whip and go. Mm-hmm. And he would have beaten him if he yeah. hadn't held him. And the quarterback would have gotten it to him, I believe. But he saw immediately that he was being held up. That's why he threw it away. Yeah.
2: Dak, so Dak I, I, I think it's just the – it's a little bit of this – we don't get consistency from refs at the end of games and sporting right. events. And so it's it's like, okay, yeah, like swallow the, the whistle and let the players decide it on the field. You get that mindset from some people, and then other people you get, you get calls late in the game like right. that, and it's just like – Well,
6: that's why pass interference should be called every time they see it. But they're so skittish about calling it only in –
1: in
7: important
6: times if i could
1: call it every time it wouldn't be so controversial right and that's the thing is the consistency of it again i was it the correct call yes it was but would they have called that later on in the game Dak there's holding on every single play in football right i mean they they hold on every play so if they want to throw the flag they can i just think in that moment that's a it's a tough call but again if the official does his job i'm okay with it if they're serious about, you know, next year
6: going to finding officials for blown calls. I
1: think they should. They're going to have,
6: what? Right. But what they're going to have to do is have an extra rep on the field, and his only job is to look at the offensive defensive line, and his only job is to
1: call Holden. Oh, man, I don't, opinion, I don't think we want that. We'll have five-hour games, Dak.
6: Well, you know, <laughs> I and on the last last thing I want to comment on, yep. is, nobody on T V today or on the radio shows has even brought it up. But there's an unsung hero in that last minute too. How many guys would have been so unselfish to drop on the one yard line yeah. And, yeah. And, and know the situation? Because if he most people would have ran that ball on in the end zone and Philadelphia would have had almost two minutes to score.
1: hmm Yeah. No, you're exactly and right. Nobody yeah, no, you're exactly yeah. right. It's, it's it was very big brain, and that there's a lot of strategy that comes into that, and a lot of people argue against that, but it obviously worked was in it, the Chiefs' favor. Was it
2: Pacheco or was it McKinnon in that moment? I was hoping you would be able to tell
1: me because I can't remember. I think it was McKinnon, but I don't. I think I, it was. Too. I think it was McKinnon, but I don't. I don't remember 100. percent So don't quote me on that. But you're I mean, absolutely we've, right. Dan. We've seen uh,
2: what. Didn't Nick Chubb earlier this year in the NFL yeah. have a moment where I'm he, sure. he tried to stop on the one and he couldn't stop and his him and he fell in and then it cost him? Mm-hmm. Right.
6: right. right. I mean, you see it all the time. I mean, yep. I think that was one of the most greatest plays in that second half uh, last night.
1: Yeah, because you saw the Eagles' defense pull off of him. They were going to let him score. They absolutely were right. going to let him score, which would have been the right play for the Eagles. Uh, but no, he That's made right. an incredible play, got down on the one, and obviously the Chiefs end up winning it.
6: That's right, guys. All right, guys. Talk to y'all later. Yep, good to hear appreciate from you, Jack. It. We
1: appreciate the call here at the uh, at the final buzzer here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Speaking of officials, man, they had a horrible weekend. Did you see the Duke-Virginia game? Did you I, see it? I heard about it. Horrible. Horrible, man. This is why officials should be held responsible for oh, doing yes. a bad I, job. I
2: saw it. I saw it now. Uh, it, it took me a second, but yes, <laughs>
1: It was, a <laughs> it was a foul. call at the end. Look the play up. I highly recommend they waved it, to Duke. it off. They waved it. They called a foul. Then they went to the monitor. They waved it off, which sent I didn't, it didn't it to know overtime. that you, you could
2: really. Do. I thought I, it was like you go to the monitor to see if it's a flagrant. Yeah, I, I know. didn't know they, that you could just wave off
1: the entire foul. They waved the foul off. Went to Duke should have had free throws to win. I don't care about either one of these teams. But it happens all the time. I oh, was I agree. I, so I was. But then they sent it to overtime, and Virginia ended up winning because of it. And the ACC came out and said they got the call wrong. But guess what? The officials will still they'll officiate a game on Tuesday with nothing against them. Yeah, that's wrong in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I agree. You got to make them full time employees, and you got to. Have them train year-round and
1: make them have press conferences and and hold them accountable. Hold them accountable. That's exactly right. Man, we are out of time here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Come back tomorrow 2 to 4 right here on ESPN 106.7. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.